I'm Chuita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Space, the final frontier. Fans of the Star Trek franchise will recognize those iconic opening words. For decades, the franchise has entertained audiences and fired the imaginations of generations of fans. But beyond that, Star Trek may be unique in mass media for also being thought-provoking and shining a light on real-world problems and issues. Be it colonization or eugenics, racism or war, nothing is off the table. In that spirit, in the latest Star Trek series, show creators crossed yet another frontier by casting a legally blind actor as part of the main crew. It's a win for disability representation and also makes for great television. Today, we discuss disability representation in science fiction. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Joita Gupta. My guest today is Bruce Horak. Bruce plays Hemmer, the chief engineer of the Enterprise in the latest Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds. And he's joined us today to talk about the role and his journey as a performer and actor. Bruce, welcome to The Pulse. It's nice to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Tell us about the moment when you made history and got that phone call saying, hey, you're the one picked to be Hemmer. What was that like for you? It was uh, earth-shattering. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Completely. Um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it was a very long process, actually. There was, I think, about four auditions over Zoom uh, with various folks from around the world, it felt like, um, which is, you know, is the perfect way to audition for Star Trek is over, you know, <laughs> over technology, it's really. Uh, yeah, and the casting call went out. They were looking for uh, an actor with uh, a disability, so a preferably blind or legally blind performer to play a blind alien. And, uh, you know, it just checked so many boxes for me. There was Star Trek, because I'm a huge Star Trek fan, a big, big fan of the, of the franchise. I grew up watching the original series and reruns and... And uh, Dad and I would watch Next Generation together. So it's, yeah, it's very much in my blood. And yeah, when when it was a call for Star Trek, I thought, yes, perfect. And then on top of that, they were looking for an actor who was blind or legally blind like myself. And uh, again, I just went, yes, this is, you know, the stars are aligning as it were. Um, four Zoom auditions, and then uh, I started going in for the tests, the, the, the screen tests and the prosthetic tests. And uh, yeah, every meeting, every time I, I went went down to uh, the CBS studio in Mississauga to have another meeting, you know, walking around the sets and kind of poking my head in and getting to getting to see what they were working on and building it. Gosh, the, the adrenaline rush, it was just really, uh, it was really extraordinary. And that first costume fitting, I mean, that's really when, when the tears started to flow, when I, when I got to put on the, uh, the Starfleet uniform, I just thought, wow, I've, I've made it. <laughs> oh, that's a dream coming true, Bruce. I, I wanted Truly. to ask, I wanted to ask you about this later on in the conversation, but since it's come up now, you mentioned it checked off a lot of boxes and, you know, being blind myself and being a performer, there are moments when I've struggled with this, when I've asked myself, are you just there because you're checking off these boxes or are you there because you're talented and they like the work you do? 
Has that sort of thing been a struggle for you as well as a performer? Yeah, um, not uh, not so much in in the theater world. I, I tended to I did probably about twenty five years of theater work in Canada, and a lot of that was. Um, my own work, so writing and producing and performing my own stuff, in which case it's like, well, there's not really anyone else that can do this because it's about me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, And then getting cast in roles where I was not specifically being cast because of my disability, um, but really because I could sing, I could dance, I could you know do all the, all the things that were required in the role. Um, but specifically looking for a, a blind or legally blind performer this is really the the first time that mm -hmm. that I've landed that and and this is really my first foray into into this world of film and television I did a little bit about 10 years ago I did an episode of warehouse 13 and I, I did a short film uh, but again neither of those were looking for specifically for blind or legally blind performers and it's really been in the last or that I've noticed anyway that the casting calls have been going out and specifically looking for that um, you know, it, it actually being on the call sheet saying, look, we're looking for someone with this lived experience. And I find that really exciting um, because obviously, you know, the, the pool of talent for, uh, of performers that can step into these roles is extraordinary. And when the door is open just a little bit to let those of us with a disability in, or at least kind of get moved to the front of the line, that's really exciting. And um, yeah, that shift right now is, is pretty, uh, it's really important and I think it's, you know, it's giving a chance for, for performers who may not be considered for those roles um, to step up and, and to be able to, to get the work. I, I really believe honestly that, that it's a practice and the more opportunity that you have to practice, the better you're going to get. And uh, for myself, that just meant having to, to create the roles for myself because, you know, I just wanted to be practicing all the time and sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring and someone else to call. It's, it's just no way to, to live. Mm -hmm. It certainly doesn't pay the bills. So um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a little nugget of truth for you. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty extraordinary thing when that, when that door is open and uh, we're allowed to come onto the set and play. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope it's, you know, I didn't just get it because of my disability. I hope it was those those four auditions and and getting to actually read the scenes and and perform that that got me in there. I, I hope it's the talent that did it. And from from what I've heard, that's a big part of it. And as someone who watched you perform um, and saw the final product, I have to say it's all talent, Bruce. It's all talent. Nothing to worry about on that score. <laughs> I hit, you Ooh. mentioned you had a you mentioned you had a, a background in theater, but. Let's face it, theater, you know, you're kind of doing the same thing night after night. And if you have some consistency, that's a good thing across shows. You don't want one going completely uh, down the drain. But when you're on a movie set or a TV set, that's a really different environment. Things are moving around. People are moving around back and forth. What yeah, was that like for you yeah. as a blind actor? Uh, you know, I was actually really nervous about that. Mm -hmm. um, given that it's thousands and thousands of dollars of technology that's being moved. And I thought, well, if I bump into this, it's, it, <laughs> it's going to be costly. Uh, and, and I, I made that pretty clear right from the start. I said, listen, it'd be really helpful if I had had an assistant with me on set and they immediately provided that. Um, the crew and the production team on strange new worlds is just extraordinary for what they're, what they're, willing to do and and just how easily they roll with it um 
I had an assistant with me every day that would walk me from the trailer to set and would stay with me during the day. And those are long days. I mean, some of them are like 14 hours long. And so to have somebody with me right from the get-go was, uh, it was so, so helpful. And between takes, if the camera was moving or the set had to be adjusted or whatever, there was always someone there to tell me. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think it was on my, on one of my very first days where that actually happened, where they, we had shot a scene one way and then it kind of turned everything around and, and just the miscommunication happened as, you know, it's, we're all humans. And I turned to leave the, and I kind of walked right into a camera. And it was immediate after that of people saying, listen, there's going to be a camera here. And like <laughs> immediately adapting and willing to say, okay, look, we, we've, we've got to make some concessions here. And honestly, it's just, it's been above and beyond all the way through. It's, it's quite extraordinary. I'm glad to hear you had your quote-unquote blind moment and got it out of the way, lickety split. I did. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about let's talk a little bit about Hammer, the character that you're playing. So let's engage in a bit of theater of the mind, if you will. Uh, it's radio, so okay, you're not going to yeah. be able to see any pictures. But describe Hammer as a character, but the physical character, but also just the personality as sure. as you envisioned him. So Hammer is an Enar, which is a subspecies of the Andorian people, and the Andorians uh, are pale blue, or, or actually some of them are quite bright blue. They have antenna. And uh, the Enar are, they, they say they're an albino, so we're totally white. We're very, very pale. And we have the antenna. Also, the Enar are blind. Uh, so the eyes that they've given me in, in the show are just milky white, which is pretty impressive. Mm. Um, and then there's also these kind of craggy ridges all over my face. Um, the prosthetic department on Strange New Worlds is extraordinary. Uh, the design is amazing. And then, you know, I'm in prosthetics sitting at, in a makeup chair for three and a half hours wow. to apply the 15 pieces that go on my face and head. And there's a wig and, and pieces on the hands as well. And they, then they have to paint everything and do the makeup. So it's, uh, yeah, it's quite a process to get into it. And then at the end of the day, it's a full hour to get out. They remove everything and then they have to scrub all the paint off. And yeah, it's it's really something. So that's what Hammer looks like. He's the chief engineer. So he's in uh, uh, the classic red shirt uh, look with a little, the the uh, engineering insignia on his chest. And um, what to tell you about the character? Well, researching the Enar, I discovered that they're... Uh, only about a thousand of them left. So they're a dying race. And uh, that kind of informed, at least for me, the edge that Hammer has. He's He's been described as uh, disgruntled um, uh, or, or a bit gruff, perhaps, in his manner. Um, crunchy, I've heard, uh, <laughs> to describe him. He's, uh, he's hyper, hyper intelligent. He's also very, very good at his job. He's the chief engineer of the flagship of the Federation. So that means he has some pretty mad skills. Um, the other thing about the Enar specifically is that they've got incredible telepathic powers. So he can actually move about the ship. He can read the ship using his telepathy. And he can, that's, I think, ultimately what makes him an even better engineer is that he's got a feel for the the energy of that ship that just goes above and beyond. Um, the Enar are also pacifists, so he will not fight, but he's also active in his pursuit of supporting the mission of Starfleet, which is... 
ultimately exploration and and peace. So yeah, he's got uh, he's got many layers, many facets to his personality, which slowly getting unraveled as the series progresses. One of the things I liked about Hammer was his gruffness. When that first scene mm. comes up, uh, where he's having, a, where he's interacting with another crew member who offers to help, there's a part of me that says, "Phew! Thank God he wasn't, you know, your quintessential uber positive." you know, nice guy. Was there some amount of intention in making Hammer a little gruff so that we can kind of move away from this idea that people with disabilities are always positive and always nice? It's funny that that scene in particular was the one that I read for my audition. And so it was really my introduction to what the plan was for Hammer. And I absolutely loved it. I loved how how uh, stern he was. And ultimately the scene, you know, it, it plays out at the end. They're like, oh, we're, we're kind of hazing Uhura, about, kind of giving her a bit of a ribbing. And that sense of humor in particular around it, I just thought, I thought that was just incredibly um, relatable <laughs> and, and authentic as well. Like, I think uh, certainly in my own life that uh, that sort of gruff, um, I don't know if it's sarcasm, but that, that sort of exterior of, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've heard the jokes a million times. You've been, you've been offered the help a million times that you don't need. And uh, yeah, I can come off in that sort of, uh, just give me a break. <laughs> I, I got this kind of uh, attitude. And yeah, I, I find that to be really, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite relatable. Um, I, yeah, I was yeah. thinking. I, I, no, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> no, I, that's fine. You know, um, I maybe think I you, answered it. No, you did. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about. Uh, you mentioned Next Generation, and they had a blind engineer, Jordi LaForge, and mm. Jordi LaForge is able to quote unquote see through you know through the use of technology, and of course, Hammer mm. is Hammer, and is very clearly blind, and there's no one out to cure him or fix him. How important a shift mm. is that in your mind? Oh, I think that's huge. I think it's I think it's really really huge. And I you know, I get that question in my life all the time. It's like, "Hey, if you could have the surgery and and get your eyesight back, would you?" And it's just such a, you know, such a loaded question. I mean, it implies that um what I have is is broken and or is wrong or incorrect in some way. And it's it's really hard not to take that personally because, you know, I've gotten where I've gotten um because of, I would say, the the limited eyesight that I have. And it's taken me, uh, how old am I now? 47. So 47 years. <laughs> well, maybe 48. I haven't quite accepted it yet. But the, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a life journey to, to accept those limitations and to say, yes, this is, this is who I am. But in the acceptance of them, then, then goes the next step of challenging them. And I see in a character like Hammer that he not only has, has accepted his quote unquote limitations, but he's exceeded any expectation that's, that people might have of what he might be able to do. And I think that's, again, I think it's so relatable. Um, you know, we, and I, I, I was kind of raised under the, the, um, I don't know, dictum is the right word, but, um, you know, I was always told, it's like, look, this is a sighted world. And as a person with limited vision, you have to figure out how you're going to adapt in order to, to work in this world, in order to get by. It's, it's all going to be on you, you know, the weight of adaptation. And in my lifetime, I've seen the technology get to a point where it's made it so much easier to 
to get by. And it's not about me having to adapt. I mean, I, I learned the technology, but it's it's coming to me now. And I see that in, in Star Trek, that the technology is so far advanced that anyone can get along and anyone can, can not only keep in the pack, but then also excel. And I, I find that incredibly inspiring. Mm-hmm. In a lot of TV portrayals or movie portrayals of blind people, you have this really annoying thing where they have blind people feeling people's faces uh, to get a, an idea of what they look like. Hammer does not go around <laughs> feeling anyone's face. And so I want to ask you, I know there were limitations uh, or there were um, there were sort of ideas about what the character would be, would, would be that the scriptwriters had put in. But how much of Hammer is Bruce bringing his lived experience to the table? Uh, that's a very good question. I... You know, I I dug around in the research on these characters, and there wasn't a lot um, about the Enar. This is really the the first, you know, serious character development that we've seen um, of this particular species. So the door was really wide open for what I wanted to do. Um, the The grace and the movement that Hammer has was practiced, um, but also I, I just really thought about like how do I play telepathic and to me it's just it's like heightening your sense of hearing heightening your sense of awareness of a room and certainly you know when i go into a new environment that's the first thing that kind of clicks in for me is i really start to listen and listen to the sounds of you know are there machines in the room and and, you know like what's the height of the of the space you know the, the the makeup of it and to me that was ultimately my way into thinking telepathically um opening up that sense. So that is something that I was drawing on. Um, but yeah, the, the, the gruffness and the crankiness, I, 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 I'm not that way. Well, maybe (laughs) just before I've had my first coffee. (laughs) You and me both. Um, I got to ask you, and you mentioned this earlier in our conversation, and, uh, you know, Hammer mentions it. He's basically a genius. He's exceptionally smart. Uh, do you as a person with, yeah. uh, you know, you're a person with a disability, you move th- through the world as a person with a disability, you talked about the limitations and how the world is built for sighted people. Is there a part of you that, I don't want to say nearly, that, a part of you that might be a little concerned with setting up a disabled character to be exceptional. You know, I'm going to beam up a portion of the of a planet's core so we can all have light, <laughs> exceptional, you know, scary, smart. But, you know, can we get to a place in representation? Do you think we need to get to a place in disability representation where you could have a disabled character just hanging out on the em- Enterprise doing whatever it is that they do up there? Oh, I, I could see that happening for sure. Um, somewhere down the line, it's... Uh... I mean, the the thing about concentrating on the bridge crew is that these are the exceptional people, and I think in order for those those characters to actually work in the uh, in the storylines that they're given, they have to they have to have these incredible skills because they're getting into those hairy uh, situations. Um, but yeah, in terms of just a, a run of the mill crew member, um, yeah, you know, I, I could see that happening, and it's it's probably probably coming at you in, uh, on lower decks, mm. if anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, if you can talk a bit about the response, I mean, you're going to have an, you're going to have action figures. You're going to be and are likely already <gasps> a part of this big family. I, I know you've gotten a lot of love and support uh, from the from the fan mm. base, but how how many conversations have you had about being an actor with a disability or just being a person with a disability in the world? 
with the fans. Oh, I'd say that 75% of the 75% of the people who reach out to me are people with disabilities and that has been so wonderful and it's happening on, you know, on social media um through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that people are reaching out and saying you know as someone with a disability to see this character up there and excelling and and all of that is is really uh powerful and moving and um for me that's that's everything it's it's um you know the the big part of the reason why I got into the performing arts was was to connect with audiences and this show has just opened it up in in such an extraordinary way and I I absolutely welcome it um yeah, more please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I doubt you can give away any of the plot and so I'm not going to ask for any spoilers but just in broad terms okay. can you tell us about some of the things that might be coming down some evolution we might see in Hammer's character? Well, that crusty outer uh outer shell certainly uh is going to be exposed. That much I can say. Um and uh yeah, so you, you get the nougat filling. How about that? <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, beyond that, it's, it's really, um, it's really the adventure of the week. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be seeing more of him and what he has to offer. You've got the art of a teaser down, to be honest with you. That's just saying enough to, in, to whet the appetite. <laughs> hey, we've only got a few minutes left here, oh, Bruce. Um, you only got a few minutes left here. I just wanted to briefly touch on the fact that you're also an, a visual artist and you do a lot of painting. How did that come about? I do. Well, a friend of mine saw me on stage and uh, then afterwards saw me with my white cane and there was a bit of a disconnect. He's like, what, what, what happened to your eyesight? And he'd known me for years but had never, had never really gotten the full story. So um, I sat down and I painted his portrait to sort of capture how it is that I see the world. And that was April 1st, 2011. And then in that year, I painted a portrait a day. So by the end of the year, I had 365 portraits from almost... 365 sittings and uh part of the the mm, practice of it was trying to figure out how i can paint the way that i see and the incredible uh bonus to all of that experience was getting to sit with people and chat and connect in a real like personal way and then at the end i would have this tactile physical representation of the conversation that we had and i just absolutely fell in love with this practice so i've kept painting portraits uh since 2011 I th I've, i'm getting close to 700 now i'm working my way towards a thousand maybe more we'll see um and yeah when the pandemic hit i moved my practice online so i now sit with people over zoom and the sitting takes about an hour and I take some screenshots and I do a little digital sketch and then I take that away and I, I build up a canvas and try to, again, capture how I see. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary project and one that, that I'm so, so excited about. It, uh, it, it draws together many facets of my artistic practice. There's not only the painting, but there's also the conversational element. And then I get to go and digitally do things and do edits and, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really pushing me as an artist, and I'm super thrilled about it. And I go back often and look at the early work, and and I I'm just amazed at uh, at the progress that it, that I've made. And and also, I can't wait to see what number one thousand looks like. I'm, I'm sure it'll be totally different. Hey, you'll have to come back and discuss it with us, Bruce. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for speaking to us. My pleasure. Take care. 
Bruce Horak plays Hammer, the blind engineer in the most recent series, Strange New Worlds. Thanks a lot for joining us today. That's all the time we have. It was great being with you. I'm Joita Gupta. I'm the host of the program. Our technical producer is Sam Robinson, who is in for Nasreen Abdul-Majid. And Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.